For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority." In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised Him from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Heavenly Father, we come to this text And even as we read these words together this morning, we feel thankful to You as we see that undeservingly what we have received from You, You canceled our record of debt. You set aside the legal demands against us to be punished, to be condemned forever under Your wrath. You set them all aside by nailing it to the cross. Father, as we look at these words, we know that we had no part in any of that. And we didn't deserve it. We only incited Your wrath justly. We deserve to be judged. And yet, You have shown us such great mercy. You've poured out upon us Your loving kindness through Christ because we have been declared righteous, and now even Satan cannot overcome us in any way. We are protected from from his attacks, from his accusations. You have put him to open shame, all those who follow him. Father, we thank you for this. We know victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, having received Christ Jesus the Lord, now teach us to walk in him, rooted built up in Him, established in the faith, and abounding in thanksgiving. We pray these things in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. The Apostle Paul 
writes these words truly as the center, the core of the letter of Colossians. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. This has been our Thanksgiving week meditation, and so I'm rejoicing to return to this text this week together, and by God's grace, we'll finish these two short verses. The main idea is found right here. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Why does the Apostle Paul give to the letter, this letter to the Colossians? Why do they need to hear this? The same reason many of us need to hear this as well. There is a, a possibility in the Christian life to have received Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord by grace through faith and then to begin to move into the Christian life and try to walk the Christian life in our own strength. Does this sort of thinking sound familiar to you? This is such a common thing. That's why Paul gives us these words. We received Christ at the very beginning knowing that we could accomplish nothing of our justification, right? That's so clear in our mind. As we look at the Word, we understand God's wrath needed to be appeased. What part could we play in the appeasing of God's wrath? Nothing. We needed to have souls resurrected to spiritual life who can breathe life into themselves. We needed to have resurrection power take us and bring us beyond spiritual death into everlasting life. There's none of this that we can do. When we think of our justification, we know and we declare salvation is of the Lord, just like Jonah wrote as he was preaching to the to the, to the people of Nineveh. And yet, it is so easy for us to then step into the Christian life, having been justified, and think, now it's all up to me. It's on me. And when we begin to walk in that way, we leave ourselves open to all kinds of spiritual dangers. One of which is the sense of just complete spiritual dissatisfaction. We don't walk with Christ, trusting in Him and depending on Him and fellowshipping with Him. So when a person who's been justified feels unsatisfied with their spiritual life, what often do they do? They often look to the world to satisfy them. They're Sunday Christians and then they, they head off into the world and trying to heap to themselves the things of this life to satisfy the cravings of their heart. That's a temptation that we can have. Also, when we seek to walk the Christian life in our own strength, we leave ourselves up to the dangers of spiritual error. What then do we do with a guilty conscience? Well, let's pray more. Let's have more devotions. Let's do some good religious activities. And we do not remember how it is that we were saved to begin with sometimes. How is it that we began? How is it that we received Christ Jesus the Lord? By grace through faith. We received Him as He is. He became everything to us. And the Apostle Paul says, don't go backwards now. Continue to walk your Christian life by grace through faith. Continue to feed on the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
for every new step in spiritual growth and knowledge and progress in likeness to Christ, we continue to draw upon the person and work of Jesus Christ. You can see Paul's warnings surrounding these two verses. Notice again in verse 4 of chapter 2, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Or verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Think about it. If we have Christ as our Lord, and according to these verses, like verse 9, in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, in verse 10, you've been filled in Him, what else do we need then to walk in the Christian life? Do we need legalism to enter? Do we need to try to keep all these rules in order to keep ourselves satisfied and pleasing to God? Or is Christ sufficient? Do we need mystical spiritual encounters to keep ourselves in fellowship or feeling loved by God? No, we need Christ. He's sufficient. Do we need the world to, to have all the things of the world that we can heap to ourselves? Or is Christ sufficient? And so that's why Paul comes to this and he's pressing this thought in our hearts surrounded with warnings and he's saying, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord in a state of helplessness, knowing that you could accomplish nothing of your salvation, knowing that you needed Christ and in Him all, the, all you, you have, all you need, now walk like that. Walk resting in the grace of God, trusting in Christ to provide for you all that you need. Now the Apostle Paul begins to develop this thought in verse 7. He gives us pictures really word pictures, to describe to us how it is we walk in Christ, having received Him as Lord, and now continuing in that walk, continuing to rest in Him. There's four words in here that he gives us to describe what it means to walk in Him as we received Him as Lord. Four words that describe this walk of faith By His grace. The first word is rooted. We looked at the first two words last week, and we'll look at the second two this week. So rooted, rooted in Him, built up in Him, established in the faith, and abounding in thanksgiving. These four participial words help us to understand what it means to walk in Him. And of course, this walk, whenever you see the word walk in the Scriptures that's used illustratively, you, can, you, you understand it means the, the daily life, day in, day out. How is it that I need to be thinking about my Christian life? Is it a, an effort to find satisfaction in the world or more religious performances to add into my life, or do I continue to draw on the person and work of Jesus Christ? Of course, it's Christ. It's Christ that I need to, to grow in. Something else we noticed last week, as, we, as you can see, I'm doing a little bit of a review to get us up to point three today. The first three words that we see in verse 7 that describe this walk, rooted, built up, established, I want you to know and notice again today that these are all passive words. Rooted. We are rooted. We have been rooted in Christ. In fact, the first one there, we've been rooted in Christ. This is something that has already been done for us in the past. 
We remember this from last week. You're rooted in Him. How do I walk in Christ? I am rooted in Christ. To be rooted in Christ is a unique thought that brings to mind our spiritual life. Salvation, being alive spiritually, is to be rooted in Christ. It's an agricultural term, right? Like a plant is rooted in soil. Like a, like a plant is rooted by a riverbed drawing nourishment from the river. So the, so the God of heaven roots us into Jesus Christ the moment we are saved. This word uniquely speaks of our life source. When you're saved, when you're justified, your life source, your strength, all that you need for, for life in Christianity is what? It comes from Christ. Christ alone. He is your source of life. And God roots you in Christ. Now again, if that's what happened when you received Christ Jesus as Lord, what effect does that have on you today? Well, it makes all the difference in the world. Lean into that as you walk in Christ. Don't think of yourself as just taking a drink from Christ and then trying to make it through the desert of life on your own. You are still rooted in Christ. Lean into Him. Rest in Him. What is Christ, who is Christ to us and what does He promise to provide for you? And He, he is all that we need. Not just, this is, remember, this isn't just some, just some theory that we're thinking about or some good story to think through. This is reality. And we know this because we look through the letter of Colossians and we see all of these titles about the person of Jesus Christ. Like I read to you last week, we learned through chapters 1 and 2, just chapters 1 and 2, we didn't look at 3 and 4, that we see that Christ is the Son of God. In, in chapter 1, verse 3, in chapter 1, 13, the King of the Kingdom of God. That He is the Redeemer who bought us out of sin and out from under God's wrath and made us children of God. He is the Forgiver, 1.14. How did He forgive us our sin? Like we read in the text this morning, he, it was nailed to His cross and He bore our sin in His body on the tree that He might bring us to God with great power like Darren referred, to us, referred us to this morning. He is the Forgiver. He's the image of God. Remember the conversation that happened between Philip and the Lord Jesus, show us the Father, he said to Jesus. And what, did, and what did Jesus answer? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Who is Christ but the exact image of God? He is God made visible to us. The Lord of creation, verse 15, 17, and 18 say, and of the church, He's the creator, the sustainer, 116 and 117, the creator of the universe. It says in John chapter 1, verse 3, nothing that was made was made apart from Christ, the sustainer, 117, the head of the church, 118. He holds all things together by the word of his power. He speaks and keeps our hearts beating and our lungs breathing and our minds thinking and our bodies functioning and our spiritual life. He sustains us as well. He provides all things to His body. The head, he's the head of, of the church. He is the beginning. He's the source of all. He's the resurrection. He's the only one who's raised Himself from the dead by His own power and raised anyone else from the dead. 
He's the fullness of God. All of the greatness, the power, the glory, the attributes of God are in Him. He's the reconciler. He's the peacemaker. He's the glory of God being unveiled throughout time and history in the Scriptures. The mystery of God, He's called. He's the one who lives in you. He's the one who living in you makes you hopeful that one day you will stand before God and reflect God's glory perfectly. He's the hope of glory, 127 says. He's the treasure hold of wisdom and knowledge. He's the fullness of deity. Okay, so look at all those titles and you could just take the rest of your life, the rest of eternity to look into each one of those titles and say, who is this? And because that's who he is, what does that mean for me and my life and my sustenance and my satisfaction and my joy and my spiritual security and my eternal destiny? What does that mean for me? He is all I need. If that is who He is, I should say it differently, since that is who He is, why turn anywhere else? Now that's what Paul is arguing with these people about. Why turn anywhere else? Why turn to legalism? There's two there's two enemies of walking in Christ as you received Him that Paul addresses in this text. One of them is legalism. One of them is mysticism. And they so easily captivate our hearts. Something else in addition to Christ to make my spiritual life what I want it to be. To give me that sense of spiritual satisfaction. Paul says, you have been rooted in Christ. All you need comes from Him. You are alive in Him. Walk in Him now. Don't lean on anything else. Don't look for something else. Keep looking to the person and work of Jesus Christ. That is what God has done for you. That's the first part of walking in Him. Is maybe you could call it first steps. God rooted you in Christ. Now, as you begin to walk, don't look away from Him for your source of life and joy and satisfaction and spiritual fullness. Christ is all you need. Well, he takes it on to a second word, being built up in him. Well, that's kind of like picking up pace as you're walking. Now you need to learn and grow. And do you learn and grow somewhere else? About something else? No, again, it's Christ. Both of these participles, rooted and built up, are both pointing to what? Him. Christ. And again, this word rooted is something God does to you. He has done in the past, and it has continuing ramifications on your daily life. Now, this word built up, is that something you do for yourself again? No, it's something God does for you again. But it's something He's doing presently and will continue to do until the day you see Him. He's going to build you up. He is building you up in Christ. He is increasing your knowledge of Christ and in all that Christ is. He's increasing your love for Christ. He's increasing your trust in Christ. He's increasing in you likeness to Christ. And your joy in Christ. And your satisfaction as you get to know Him. And learn to rest in Him. We, we sang on Wednesday night, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How I've what? Proved Him over and over. Have you? Have you proved Christ's attributes as your Savior and Lord over and over again in your life. That's walking in Him, isn't it? You go to, you hit a trial. What do you trust in? Yourself? You try to find a way out? You try to find a human solution? You turn to Christ. 
I mean, seriously, what life situation do we come to in this life that we shouldn't turn to Christ? Really? Isn't that what it means to live with Him as Lord? To, To submit to Him in everything, but to draw upon His resources for everything. You have a relational challenge. Turn to Christ. Turn to His Word. Turn to His love to satisfy your soul. You have a struggle with temptation and sin. God is building you up in Christ. You've never faced these things yet until they come to you in the Christian life. And now you're learning in each new situation of life how to live with Christ as Lord. How to draw upon His infinite resources. To prove Him as Creator and Sustainer and Savior and Redeemer and Reconciler and so on. Everything that God has called us into this life, we turn to Him. And we find Him to be sufficient. And that becomes a way of life. We grow up in Him. How that phrase appears in Scriptures, right? Ephesians 4, grow up in Him. We learn to know His fullness for all that it is. We walk in Him. Like it says in 2 Peter 1, 3-11, we referred to this text last week. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Do you hear that? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through what? Through the knowledge of Him. The knowledge of Christ who called us to His own glory and excellence. And through Him, He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that, having, so that we may become partakers of the divine nature, of the nature of Christ. And escape the corruption that is in the world because of deceitful desire. That's who Christ is to us. And therefore we build up in His likeness. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And virtue with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness. And steadfastness with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. Brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is who Christ is to us. We are rooted in Him. He's our source of life. We are built up in Him. He is, he is, there's, a, there's an architectural analogy. We are growing. We are maturing in Him. We are advancing in Him. Now, Let's look at the the second two words this morning. Established in the faith. Number three, how do I walk in Christ having received Him as Lord? How do I walk in Him as Lord? I've been rooted in Him. I'm built up in Him. Established in the faith. We know God has graciously rooted us in Christ We're to walk in Christ by faith. We draw all things, our source of life from Him. God is building us up. We're to live by faith in Him, built up in Christ. Now, we need to also realize that God is establishing us. And in what is He establishing us? In the faith. You're you're, you're on a fast walk now, right? Again, the next step of progress here. There's a sense in which these four words continue to advance us in the Christian life. Rooted speaks of the beginning and a continual drawing of strength. Built up speaks of growing and developing maturity. Established is 
is a word that speaks of maturity and being grounded in the faith in Christ. Again, it's another present passive participle. It's a work of God. It's not our work. It's a work that God does in us. And so the call upon our lives is to lean into it. Remember that God has rooted us, is building us, is establishing us, and seek it and pursue it and rest in it. What does it mean to be established? To be confirmed? To be strengthened? To be made sure? To be growing even stronger? This word that Paul uses is described to describe the Christian walk has to do with commerce in the original language. This is how this word is used elsewhere. The first word, like we said, had to do with roots and plants. The second word with foundations and buildings. Now with commerce established in the faith. See if you can catch this word picture. It refers to the guarantee that comes along with the transfer of property or or goods. It speaks of strength and stability and reliability and certainty. When you go to purchase something, you have to be guaranteed that you're going to be able to give back the payment. When you borrow something, you, you have to be guaranteed that you're going to give back the payment. You have to be established in in, in the world of commerce to some degree. That's the idea here. Established. There's a reliability. There's a stability. There's a guarantee that comes along with our progress in the Christian life. God will cause all those who are rooted in Christ to be established to be stable, to be strong, to be reliable. You know what this is another word for? Perseverance in the faith. Now, notice carefully, in what will, will we become established? In the faith. In the faith. Just as you were taught. The faith just as you were taught. When Paul writes faith, you, we, you've heard... We've talked about this many times. When Paul refers to faith in the New Testament, that word is taken one of two ways, depending on its context. Sometimes faith refers to the subjective side of faith, meaning our believing, our believing. Sometimes, though, the word faith refers to the objective side of faith, meaning upon what we believe or in what we believe. This time he's referring to the objective side of the faith, referring to what we believe, not so much our believing, our ability to believe, but upon what we believe or in what we believe. And what is it? It's the faith just as we were taught. The faith just as we were taught is what? The apostles' doctrine, the gospel, the word of God, the New Testament, The body of truth that founds and forms our faith. That's the faith. The truth of Christ. The gospel, the word of God, is what God causes us to be established in. So that we are not pulled away from the lordship of Jesus Christ by human religion. 
or sensual desires. This is the very, this, this very point consumed Paul's ministry. God used Paul to establish those in the faith who were rooted in Christ. Look at chapter 1, verse 21 to 29. You'll see this theme run through these words. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. That, that, word, that phrase there, presenting you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him, those words look to what day? The day that we will stand before Christ. Right? There's, there's the picture of the end. One day, the Lord Jesus Christ will take us broken people, right? And totally transform us in that final display of His glory. And then He will set us before His Father. Look, here is my people who I have saved and sanctified and glorified. They are here existing for your glory and to be endless recipients of your divine love. This is what Christ is doing. This is what Christ is doing. Now notice this. this. Catch this, verse 23. That is what Christ will do If, we don't like ifs, but that's what you see in this text. It's a call to perseverance in the faith. It's a call to lean in to what God is doing in every true believer. He's going to establish you in the faith if you cling to Christ in whom you are rooted. And if you are being built up in the knowledge of Him and trust in Him and dependence on Him and proving Him over and over And you don't turn away from Him. That's what it says. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. That's what Paul is all about. He's telling you about the gospel. He's telling you about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's telling you God's promises for those who trust in Him, for those who are rooted and being built up. Now stay there. Be established in the faith. Keep on going in Christ. That's what Paul's life was all about. And he continues to prove this. Look at verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings, Paul says. Yay, when I suffer for your sake. And in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is his church. Paul rejoiced to do whatever needed to be done to bring that people whom God had purchased through the death of His Son, to bring those people to the knowledge of the gospel and to maturity in the gospel. To the knowledge of Christ and maturity in Christ. He did whatever needed doing, including so much suffering. Do you see? This is, this is Paul's passion. He became this minister, verse 25, to the stewardship from the, according to the stewardship of God that was given to him for us to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What is the mystery? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
You have this King, this Savior, this Redeemer, this Sustainer, this Head of the Church, this One in whom the fullness of deity dwells. And where is He? He is in you. What else do you need? What else do we need? Keep resting in Him. That's what Paul is saying. He is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so what does Paul then do? If Christ is all we need, and we find all our sufficiency for spiritual life in Him, then of course what he's going to do is in verse 18, well, Him we proclaim then. I'm just going to teach you about Christ so that you rest in Him, so that you're satisfied in Him, so that you rejoice in Him. You need Christ warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. His warnings are simply this, in a a nutshell, don't turn away from Christ. And his teaching is, know Christ and find your all in Him. And for this, he toils and struggles with all of the energy of Christ that is powerfully working within him. That's what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 1, 6-9. He says, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, same word, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end. Christ will sustain you to the end. Guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is why why Paul wrote the letter of Colossians. To keep us steadfast. Look at chapter 2 and verse 16. Don't turn away from Christ, right? Stay in Him. Established in the faith is what God is doing for you. He already warned us of this. Don't don't be deceived. Chapter 2, verse 4. Don't be deceived. Chapter 2, verse 8. He continues this. Look at verse 16 of chapter 2. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Do you see what Paul is saying here? He's saying if you are rooted in Christ, if you are being built up in Him, then you stay leaning into Him, knowing Him and growing in Him. And don't turn away to legalism. That's that's what Paul is saying there. You don't need to be spiritually satisfied or have a, a greater acceptance from God by eating certain things and not eating certain things. That's not going to help you. What do you need? You need Christ. You don't need a new diet, right? That's not what, that, that, that doesn't help you before God or festivals, new moons, Sabbaths. You know, add more rules to your life, more religious rituals, more religious days to keep and, and foods not to eat. You, I think you get the point, right? There's so many Rituals and rites that people add into their life in order to have a sense of assurance before God. Why do they do that? Because they have not yet been rooted into the substance who is Christ. What else do you need if you have Christ? He has kept all the law for you. And He will form His own likeness in you through the Spirit. But that's not the only thing Paul warns us here. Look at verse 18. Again, let no one disqualify you. He told us in verse 16, don't let anybody pass judgment on you. 
right? Get it together. Keep these laws. No, now, verse 18, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism, beating your body up in order to be pleasing to God in the Spirit, worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up with reason by this sensuous mind, and not doing what? Holding fast to the head. Who's that? Christ. Right, there's a spiritual dissatisfaction that happens in people who are not holding fast to, to Christ. They, they have to find a way of feeling a little bit higher spiritually, and, and that's why they disqualify others. And so they say, well, you've got to, you've got to beat your body up. You've, you've got to worship other things. Is there any worship of other things going on in our community? In, in religious organizations? Absolutely. Is Christ not enough? He is enough. But we feel like we have to add to Him when we're not satisfied in Him. Going on in detail about visions, spiritual experiences. right? Make you a better Christian. Have some spiritual experiences. Have a vision. Have a dream. Have a... Have a you know what all that is? That's trying to make the spiritual world sensual, isn't it? Something you can feel and taste and touch at a moment's notice, right? That's what he says. Detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. We want to make salvation in Christ a tangible physical thing. We want to boil it down to that so that we can feel like we're doing it. We can control it. We can move it along. No. What we need is to hold fast to Christ. And know that we have all in Him from whom the whole body, verse 19, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. That's the kind of growth we want. We want a growth from God, one that He works. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, right, all of those human ways of doing religion, if you died to all that, why then, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to these regulations? Don't handle, don't taste that, don't touch that. Referring to things that all perish as they're used according to the human precept and teachings. These things, here's why they attract us so well. These things have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body. You know, it, it looks very religious to have spiritual encounters, doesn't it? It looks like, wow, you must, be, you must be close to God. It looks religious to keep all of these rules and to just, wow, they're really serious about their religion. They don't eat that food. They celebrate all these special days. They, do all, they worship these beings in heaven and they are holy. That's the way it looks to people. And that's why it attracts us. But look what Paul says. They are of what? No value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. What is the only, what is the only thing that can stop the indulgence of the flesh? Love for Jesus Christ. That's what you need. Christ alone. That's what we need. So we must, as we have received Him, walk in Him. God is rooting us in Him, or has rooted us in Him, we can continue to lean on every source of strength in Christ as we know Him 
through the revealed Word of God. And as He works in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, we are being built up by God in Him, in the knowledge of Him, in love for Him, in trust for Him, in joy in Him. We're being established in the faith, in the apostles' doctrine, so that there's a sense in which we become more and more guaranteed as people who are in Him. We're stable, we're steadfast, we're not blown about by every wind of doctrine like Ephesians 4 talks about. There's a stability. There's the, we have the heart of Peter, for example, where, where Jesus asks him, well, are you going to leave me too? And what do we say? I don't even know where else to go. You alone have the words of eternal life. Focused on Christ. Our, our affections are rooted in Him. Our desires are toward Him. We, we have life in Him. Paul wants these believers to be established in the faith just as they were taught, not shift away from the fullness found only in Jesus Christ the Lord. God's precious work is to establish us. His gracious work in the faith just as it was taught to us in the Word of God. And again, this is why it's so important to not add or take anything from Scripture. This is, the, this is what we were taught. This is what we were to be established in. The teachings, the truths about Jesus Christ so that we may grow strong, stable, and steadfast in Him. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Now, how do we walk in Him as we've received Him? By grace through faith, rooted, built up, established in the faith. And as we receive God's work of grace through Christ, and we keep on receiving it, and keep on trusting in it, and pursuing that by faith, how does that walk manifest itself in our lives? What does it look like then? How does it show up? the first thing you would see is what? Thanksgiving. Isn't that something? If you're rooted in Christ and you're continuing to draw upon His life and, and all the, you know, there's lots of roots in a tree, right? Think about that. We have so many spiritual needs from day to day and all of those needs go rooted right down into Christ in His Word who He is and who He promises to be to us. And, and as we feed all of those needs from the person and work of Jesus Christ, we grow into oaks, right? Just like it says in the Old Testament, oaks of salvation that bear fruit. I love Psalm 1. That, that, this, is, this is Psalm 1 in the New Testament, right? Where we meditate on God's Word day and night. We take in the life of Christ through the living Word and the written Word and in each season, we, we don't grow withered, right? We mature into each season that God brings us. And in each season, we bear fruit. We become established in the faith and fruitful there. And what comes on the surface of that kind of life? When you poke that kind of life, what comes out? Is it pride? Look at, all, look at all of my spiritual experiences and all of my legalistic accomplishments. Is that what comes out of that person? You know what comes out of that person? Thanksgiving. Because they can't get over what they have been given in Christ. They, they can't get over it. It's, it's mind-blowing to, to that person. Abounding in thanksgiving, Paul says. 
And this, by the way, is the only present active participle. This is something you do. This is something I do. But you know what? It's not even something forced when you're rooted, built up, and established in the faith. It's kind of like the overflow, isn't it? And that's why it's abounding. This is, this, is, this is what we are to be in Christ. This is the result of receiving the grace of God. So I ask you that this morning. Are you overflowing with gratitude? Because you know and sense that you have an abundance of riches in Christ, having been rooted in Him. When those who are rooted in Christ realize the magnitude of the grace that they've been given, what is grace, right? God's endless favor, unmerited, poured out on us through Christ, and it's been given to you freely. That immediate response is an overflow of gratitude. In fact, it's built into the very word, thanksgiving. Grace is part of the word, thanksgiving. If a person thinks that they don't need the fullness of Christ, or because they don't think of Christ as fullness, and in some way they've earned their standing with God, will they overflow with thanksgiving? Absolutely not, because they've received what they feel they've earned. There's no gratitude in that. It's just, hey, I got what was due me. But when you realize who you are before a holy God, as a sinner who has taken all that God has given to him or her and twisted and perverted and used it selfishly and worshipped yourself, blaspheming God like that, and then you realize you're an object of His grace. Like, I can't believe this. Is this really mine in Christ? Then we overflow in thanksgiving. If a person doesn't understand who Christ is, or isn't experiencing the fullness of Christ, and they're seeking spiritual satisfaction elsewhere, like human religion, sensual desires, or mystical religious experiences, well, they're they're not going to be focused on Christ. They're going to be unsatisfied, discontented, complaining hard because they always need that more, that, that next thing to bring them to the new level of hopefully a satisfied heart. They haven't been fulfilled in Christ, who is the fullness of God. But again, when a person is rooted in Christ and is being built up and established in the faith, and through that walk is being filled with the fullness of Christ... They're overwhelmed at what they undeservingly have received. And they're satisfied in Him. And they're bursting with thanksgiving. If, if Paul has roots and trees in mind with the first word and buildings and foundations in this word and commerce in the third word, maybe he's got a river in mind in this last word a river that is overflowing its banks because the source of water is more than they can contain. Right? And this is who we are in Christ. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Walk in Him. Dear ones, as we close this morning and come to the end of these two verses, and I, I confess that 
as you look at these verses, there's so much more to understand, isn't there? There's so many more places that you could go now in the book of Colossians and mine this out. I hope, you know what I hope you leave today with? A sense of, I don't know Christ the way I need to. I don't rest in him as I could. I hope that's how you feel. That's how I feel as I'm, as I'm sharing this text with you. Give me more of Christ. Help me to know how I can trust in myself less and rest in him more. How he can meet my every need in this life and the next. If this is who Christ is to us, just as it says, the fullness of God is in Christ, then, then why look elsewhere? Why look elsewhere? Here's, here's our response to this, to all of this. Look at verse, chapter 3, verse 1. Here, here is what you can take away in an application. If then, if then you have been raised with Christ, if you've been rooted in Christ, then what? Seek the things that are above. That could be your whole life mission in a few words. Seek the things that are above. That'll keep you going all through eternity, won't it? Seek the things that are above. And in seeking Christ and all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge found in Christ and all the sufficiency to you from the fullness of God, you will be satisfied. You will be joyful. You will be overflowing with thanksgiving of all that you have in Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Where He is seated at the right hand of God. Oh, that's a loaded phrase, isn't it? Christ is Lord of all, and through the Spirit, having been seated in that place, through the Spirit, He is sending to you all that you need for life and godliness. Set your mind then on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. You've died to that. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Then, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with Him in glory. And if this will be your walk in Christ the Lord, then you will inevitably be abounding in thanksgiving. If you're here today, and you're not yet rooted in Christ, as I gave you this invitation last week, I give it again. I invite you to turn away from your sin the only reason you sin is because you think that it will satisfy you. You don't sin because you think it's going to be miserable. You walk into sin thinking, even if you're not entirely aware of it, this is going to do me good. And dear ones, it is a lie. Whenever did sin do you good? Right? I mean, maybe it made you feel good for a short time, but even after that, it was like, oh, this did not do me any good. Turn from it. And turn from your self-righteousness. Upon entering religion and trying to please God, it can feel good if you try to be good enough for God. It can give you a sense of pride, but very soon, if you're honest with yourself and you understand what the Scriptures say about what God requires, it is a pointless venture to try to be good enough for God. 
What do you need to satisfy your soul and make you righteous for God? You need Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. Both sin and self-righteousness are dry riverbeds that will give you no satisfaction but only lead to eternal judgment. Turn to Christ and receive Him as Lord. And that will mean you grieve over your sin and are willing to turn from it. And that means you're willing to lay down and grieve your self-righteousness and take only Christ's. Romans 10, 9-13, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's stand together and pray this morning. Father, thank You for this big picture paradigm of the Christian life. Thank You for shaking us again away from self-righteousness and mystical spiritual experiences and pursuing sensual fulfillment and all the, the, the trinkets and the, the breakable toys of the world. Father, we, we pray that You would help us to seek Him who is seated at Your right hand, knowing that in Him all the fullness of God dwells. Help us when we are, are, are now on the walk of the Christian life, Help us to be thinking about it first and foremost as your gracious, loving work in our lives through Christ. You rooted us. You keep us alive. You're building us up in Christ and maturing us in Him. You are establishing us in the revealed truth of the Word of God. Father, help us to lean into all that you are doing not to seek our spiritual advancement elsewhere. Please, Father, show us when we get off the path, when we take the wrong walk. Help us to, to know it by a sense of dissatisfaction, by a sense of guilt that would cause us to run back to Christ again, to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering to know Him who is fullness, to rest in Him for all things. The hundreds and hundreds of things that we face each day, the needs that we have in our, in our soul, the needs that we are faced in the lives of other people, may we turn to You, Lord Jesus Christ, for all things, to find the, the wisdom, the knowledge that we need, the, the, the love, the joy, the peace, to know what to do, to know how to think, what to speak, to rest in Christ for all things. And Father, when we understand all that we've been given in Christ, we will be overflowing with thanksgiving. Make us a thankful people because we are fixed on Christ. Remove from our hearts discontent, complaining, grumbling, May we, being focused on the personal work of Jesus Christ and our life in Him, may we be 
overflowing, abounding with thanksgiving because of your grace being poured out on us. And Father, if there is someone here this morning, a dear friend of ours, who is still seeking spiritual life and satisfaction all over the place other than Christ, help them to be done with that and to come to Christ. Satisfy their souls in Him, we pray. We ask all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, with thanksgiving, giving you praise and glory, we pray. Amen.